0: Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Did you know I've had my podcast for 15 years? Do you know that it is the most downloaded sports podcast of all time? Did you know I have guests from the sports world, from the culture world, people who work for The Ringer, people outside The Ringer, celebrities, experts, you name it. It's on my podcast three times a week, late Sunday night, late Tuesday night, late Thursday night, The Bill Simmons Podcast. Check it out on Spotify.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Mesut Kwonga. I'm Ryan. Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I am all right, thanks, man. How are you? I am good. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, right. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> probably a bit too highly charged after watching these two games back to back. Unbelievable. Really? Yeah.
2: Yes. I mean, uh, it was a, it was, it was a penalty hype. It was penalty hype. Penalties everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Wild, wild. Where everyone else staying safe, staying well. Enjoying the football? We're recording this straight after Argentina's penalties win. I nearly said penalty time, like it was stoppage time <laughs> or extra time. Penalty time win. I think we should call it penalty time.
1: Well, yeah, because the extra time is so long that it's virtually another game, isn't it? So an extra game. That felt like a long
2: game. Anyway, we're recording this straight after Argentina's victory over the Netherlands on penalties, so we'll talk about that, and we'll also talk about Croatia's win on penalties against Brazil. We are also, we'll keep it brief, but let's just shout out the Women's Super League results. I think that's right. We're going to do uh, another podcast after the England-France game, Uh, and then there's Righty's House on Sunday, so loads of podcasts. But anyway, let's keep it brief, because Moose Moose has got one eye closing already. (laughs) No, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Let's get into it after this. All right, man. Lionel Messi said they, suffer, they had to suffer. Argentina were 2-0 up against the Netherlands. And if I'm being honest, we didn't really look in much danger whatsoever. Not at all. And then Louis van Gaalath, I did, I think, did something quite interesting, but we'll talk about it in a minute. Anyway, two goals from Val Vekhorst, got the Netherlands back into it. And then after an extra time period where I feel like without sounding ungrateful. felt feel like we all suffered a little bit through that extra time.
1: And then we got penalties. This was a remarkable result for Argentina to come through like this. Um, because so much was tested. And I think this was interesting. There was a kind of a parallel here. Argentina winning on penalties. Emmy Martinez with the penalty heroics is a parallel with the final of the Copa America. Where ultimately, Leo Messi having scored, his penalty having done his bit, was ultimately powerless to affect the final destination of this game. And there was a point of this game where it felt like Messi's teammates were looking to him slightly too much. There was a moment when Messi is shaking his head at the start of extra time. For about like a minute, he's just standing there shaking his head. And at first I was like, is someone talking to him? And I'm like, no, it's just, he's just there by himself going, how the hell are we here? How the hell are we conceded? Is this going to be know. a Liverpool moment all over and again? Why Is this going to yeah. be a
2: Roma moment all over and again? And why am it's, I always doing heroics? Exactly. Why am I always having to do heroics and summon it? Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned Amy Martinez because obviously he saved two penalties. Nick Harris at Sporting Intel on Twitter wrote an interesting tweet because obviously there were some people joking about bringing on Tim Cruel, mm. who isn't obviously there. But Nick said, Van didn't have a clear-cut keeper switch to make. has saved one of six or 16.7%. Uh, Pasvera has saved 14 of 63, 22%, and Beardlow, 4 of 28, so 14%. Emmy Martinez has a penalty save rate for Argentina of 32%. That's incredible. And actually, if you think about it, over the years, even though they've only really come together in the last few years, especially at international level, I think, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better kind of lieutenant and Martinez for Messi. Did, absolutely. Never, without question. anything.
1: Without question, I think that actually, if you look at the two lieutenants in this game, I think it's Rodrigo Dupal and who couldn't finish the game because of injury and Martinez. Not in that order. I think you're right, it's Martinez first. The thing about Martinez, watching him, watching him keep goal for those shootout penalties, I remember thinking to myself, do you know what, actually, I'm firmly convinced this man will back himself to catch bullets. He stands there As if he's Neo, I think, I think he backs himself. I think he would back himself. He said to Emmy, Emmy, could you catch a bullet? And half joking, actually, do you know what? I tell you what, like, give me, give me a couple of months to get my eye in. And because the thing about the way he keeps goal in a penalty shootout is very special. It's very aggressive. It's It's very, he, he makes the decision on the penalty. It's why sometimes he doesn't move, but he watches the ball onto his hand. That is why if you
2: see the two saves that he made, they're elite. They're not bad, They're not the bad penalties. The Van Dijk one, it's a good penalty. at full stretch. It's like a- It's a good penalty. You know that video of like the cat saving the, the, the ball of yeah, socks? Exactly. It I mean, is it's, literally it was, that. It was that. It was that. It's incredible. <laughs>
1: the cat burglar, the cat keeper. It's <laughs> absolutely- And this the thing, and having the, the amazing thing about Emmy Martinez, him sco- saving that first penalty Van Dijk, the way it completely reset the mood- because there's a whole thing of foregone conclusion. It's going to penalties, blah, blah, blah. It's written destiny. And he does that. And it's not just the save. It's the body language. Mm. And I know we, you actually were chatting about this, about like how his energy was quite hyper and whatever.
2: It but, was after the second one. It was after the second one, he started dancing. I was just a bit like, keep it, keep it calm. Well, not yeah. calm, but like, because he's got what's working for him. it's worked for the first two. So actually mm. he actually, he didn't
1: save one after, after that, no? Um, no. because he slightly changed what he was doing, didn't he? And I mm. think he got slightly caught up in the, and understandably, because he was trying to build momentum and tempo and like, you know, really intimidate, um, to be honest, the penalties probably should have ended. The way he was keeping goal probably should have ended earlier than the, the final kick, um, Latara pulling out. But yeah, what I loved about this win for Argentina was that everyone had to add something. Mm. Everyone had to bring something to the table. It wasn't just like the messy show. Um, not that it threatened to be that. I mean, it's weird if, if um, Argentina had lost that game. Sorry, if, if uh, the Netherlands are 1 2 0, they could have fairly said, boss, we did almost nothing wrong. Because you look at the, the opening goal, for example, that Messi creates, which is. The, the, Ryan, the pass isn't on. It's impossible. It's impossible. It's not on. It's impossible. People talk about threading the needle. No, that's ridiculous because a needle is a chasm compared to the gap that he had to pass it through. At least a, a needle. He still
2: got it through poor Nathan Acky's. It went through his legs as well, right? At least a
1: needle. There's a clear sight through it. When Messi hit that pass, there were so many moving parts and he obviously froze it in his head and was like, it's going to go through that gap. And this is the scary thing about it. None of it was a fluke. Because I was looking, I was watching the game and I was like working out like what happened? Because Messi didn't play many reverse passes the entire thing. He didn't play many at all. And then he just pulls this one out. The first one he really plays and it's like devastating. So it's not even like he's got his eye in to play that kind of pass in the game, you know? You know how Messi it's normally. Like a, hits... I'm
2: surprised you didn't. I was waiting for you to do a Roger Federer analogy. You know when you play it, when you're in a rally and you hit it out left a couple of times and then right. you push him just an extra bit wide and then you just hit him with the fucking backhand, you know. But,
1: like, but wouldn't it be really funny if, the if Messi way, was like... using his teammates to create decoys, going like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll have you run off in the corner and make you think I'm going that way, then I'll just switch it." But like the pass itself, poor Molina is not getting enough credit for the finish. It was such a good finish, it's so good. It's and, so he good. Getting,
2: and he was getting a lot of pressure. Was it?
1: Uh, it was Van Dijk right there putting him under, him under pressure. This team reminds me actually so much of two different Argentina teams, 2014 and 86. It's like a blend of both where you had players that weren't that heralded, like Melina Anacunha really stepping up a vital moment. So like Burachaga stepping up late in the final, you know, players who haven't got the most hype behind them, but when Messi needs them, mm. the way they step up and not just in terms of like goals, but just, just the physical attrition because the Dutch are a tough side. This is actually like, this is one of the most, it's the most aggressive game we've seen, which is saying something considering we have Switzerland and Serbia. You know, this is a, this was by far the most aggressive game. These, these are teams that don't, I've fair to say, not
2: yeah, like not each wild other. About each yeah, they're not wild yeah, about each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. yeah. yeah I think that's fair. Um, I, th- I thought that the, uh, the way that Argentina defended the Netherlands actually for most of the game was sublime. they were essentially playing a back three. Yes. With the ball, but five um, without the ball, mm. and they just kept them really solid. And I, I, I thought Blind and Dumfries actually they, they they probably had their worst games of the tournament because I just think they were completely nullified. Mm. There was a moment where, for example, I can't remember who it was now, but um, uh, Romero steps out of of defence and se- essentially just follows whoever had the ball all the way up the pitch yeah. until Romero was literally momentarily the highest. Uh, the highest Argentina player love it, and then just dropped back into defence. And if you look at how the USA struggled against the, Ned, uh, against the Netherlands, I think that obviously Argentina are a different calibre. But Scaloni side, showed the levels. Scaloni showed the levels. But that was, and if you look at the breakdown of possession, it was kind of, it wasn't, it, 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 like for example, the Netherlands had just as much if not a little bit more but what they did with it was create very little. In fact, they didn't have any shots on target apart from the two that Valt Vekhorst uh, scored from and that's why I think Van Gaal actually deserves quite a lot of credit there because it's quite a brave substitution to make at this stage of a tournament for a player who isn't exactly like a go-to no put on Lou De Jong, you put on Valvecos. you know that you're not going to be able to play through this side in the, or move them around they're not being moved around the way that the USA were mm. so therefore we have to go direct got to post up Twin Towers you know, two centres what is the Dutch for mixer Yeah. get it in the mixer Thank you, Veal. Thank you, Phil <laughs> Basically, it worked. Yeah, And yeah. it's not pretty. And I saw some tweets from various people essentially just being like, we love how Van Gaal doesn't give a fuck about like Dutch footballing tradition. He's just like, I don't care. We need to win the game. Right. Or we need to get back into it. And to be honest, man, I think he deserves a huge amount of credit for that because they weren't really getting any chances. No, and, and that.
1: that's, how I want to say this, people were, I saw quite a few comments to the extent of, to the effect of, oh, like we were wrong about Weghorst. No, you weren't. You no. actually weren't. It's just that course has a very particular and specific use and he was used at the point where they needed to use him because alternatively, the Dutch couldn't have played with the fluidity they need at their best with course up top like that. It just wouldn't have worked. He works in bursts in a setup like that and actually a lot of the stuff that Holland did or the Netherlands did in the build-up was quite impressive. They took some really impressive risks early on. Um, I think that's just that Argentina defended really well. They mm-hmm. brought the ball out in quite an interesting way, um, as they have done. Um, but what was really important about this game, I think, overall is Argentina aren't too proud to make mm-hmm. tactical adjustments. And I think if you look what happened to Brazil, we'll get into that in a bit, Brazil, I think, were a bit proud, actually. Uh, and that's what it did for them. Uh, whereas Argentina saw a very obvious, very dangerous threat from mm-hmm. Uh, the Netherlands in wide areas, one with a wide player slightly quicker than the other. And they just thought, okay, we're just going to match you. We're going to mirror you all over the pitch and we'll trust ourselves one on one. And also, we'll have the patience to sit and allow Messi to kind of wander. We'll give him the pockets of space where he can sit and plot because actually he had a fairly quiet first half, not because he was being lazy, but he was looking for gaps. He was really, really looking. And it's a credit to the Netherlands that so that was the only gap he could find which frankly no one else in the world finds if we're being real.
2: I mean, it,
1: it wasn't there. It wasn't a gap. He cre- yeah. It
2: wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't there. It was always it like the key maker. Yeah. Do you remember that pass that Pedri made in the Euros? Yes.
1: When the gap doesn't exist until two <laughs> yeah. players cross, then it's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, it was a very different style of pass, but it was, it was that kind of thing where you're just like, ah, oh, okay. Yeah. It hadn't even appeared yet. Yeah. It was like, I don't know, being able to see into a black hole or something. I don't know. No, absolutely was, yeah. I don't know. If, if, that, if that doesn't work, it's, people who know about that stuff, please don't at me, I'm sorry. The pass that, that
1: Pedri plays in the Euros, just to recap that, is when he plays the pass and the gap doesn't He's facing he's, goal. He's facing yeah. goal. He plays the pass out to hurt his teammate and the two central midfielders who are trying to stop the pass realise too late that they're doomed yeah. and they watch the ball go between them and they're like, oh my goodness, we couldn't,
2: yeah. And it was like this. So yeah, great yeah, depending pass. on which feed you watch, you could probably get the pitch side mic actually picking up their, <laughs> as they were like skidding <laughs> yeah so yeah um, an
1: amazing anyways. assist for that great goal they go Argentina go at the break uh, 1-0 and then a penalty I think it's a fair penalty um, yeah I think it's a penalty Messi and scores a, it's a brilliant the goalkeeper's 6 foot 8 this is the thing like the goalkeeper is 6 foot 8 and Messi
2: absolutely flummoxes him it's an incredible penalty actually it is good and his one in the shootout was ice cold <laughs> I'm sorry because you know, that was all set up for yes. the glorious, Na- narrative. tragic failure narrative. of Hashtag. Messi's yeah. legacy or something like that. Is this, is, this, is this going to be the defining image of his legacy, his final World Cup? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, the penalties were good, apart from the one that hit the post. Martinez was really, really good at the other end, well, in the on the opposition penalties. I think this is quite an important win for Argentina in a sense of not just going through to the next stage, Yeah, but I feel like this was the one game so far when the Netherlands got back into it, I was just like, okay, is that, is all of that emotional energy that they had to, you know, exert in the early stages of the tournament going to really come back and, is this where they feel it? Yeah. Yeah. And actually I think the, the way that they kept going through extra time and then kind of dealt with the penalties relatively drama free. I think it was actually pretty. They'll be fine. Pretty amazing. You know they'll be fine. Croatia were fine.
1: Look how intense Croatia's World Cup was in 2018. Look how dramatic it was. Two massive mm. shootouts, and they kept coming back for more. And to be honest, with well, a bit of luck, we will talk about them in a minute. We will, we'll yes. in a minute. But yeah. Argentina, they really showed absolutely how legit they are. You, this is a team that lost to Saudi Arabia, was looking down the barrel against Mexico, pulled it back. They have had. They're the most battle-hardened of all the teams remaining in the competition, I would say. Mm-hmm. They've absolutely tasted it. I know Croatia have been to two shootouts, but they have not had the scrutiny that Argentina have had every minute of the way. No. They haven't had to make the adjustments. At least, Argent- at least Croatia came with a core that they knew was there. Argentina lost Lo Celso, and they are not missing him. And he's an no, amazing, no, he's an yeah. amazing player. Don't get me wrong, this is not knocking him. He's an amazing player. The way that Enzo Fernandez, is at the age of 21, even... Getting involved in some of the unseemly incidents. Can we also talk about like just we haven't mentioned the referee yet in this game?
2: Oh. <laughs> because he was gonna Laos, my man. Like listen, there do you know what was great? There was just there was a, a number of people who seemed to be uh you know like that Shaq meme. Wasn't familiar with your game. Yeah. <laughs> and there was a lot of people on the timeline who seemed to be getting familiar with, with Laos. For the for the first time, and yeah. it was great to see a lot of people were like because oh, it was is like time? <laughs> yeah. Musa was just like, oh, would you like some more herbs? <laughs> Pull up a chair. Um, I mean, the 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 guy kept booking people through a penalty shootout. This this he is he is on another level. Got a theory though. He wants to ref the Got final. It. Yeah, of course he does. And that's why this is all about. This is why
1: there's- Now Spain are out, man. He's going full like- Bingo. He doesn't want to get that. Yep. Big decision. Doesn't make it all about him because what, 16 yellow cards and no reds.
2: Oh, if this was 18 months ago in a Classico,
1: four people would have been- The alive. thing would have been coming like confetti. Yeah. <laughs> oh. My guy was going off. So look, I mean, 16 yellows and he should have given, I mean, Messi should have got one for basically like palming the basketball. Effectively, <laughs> on the halfway line, Messi palmed it swathed it away and it was like and van dyke just said basically he must have said it that's because
2: it's messy yeah because at the end messi- but remember though remember though this is the guy who booked messi for taking off his shirt and revealing the Newell's maradona shirt when messi scored for barcelona <laughs> in the first game after <laughs> maradona died it's all like the main character energy there <laughs> well he is like he is the he is like the spanish equivalent of mike dean and- it's like it's like he is yeah he is a he, he if to be honest, Enzo Fernandez probably should have gone. I think he should have Because actually. the tackle yeah. that he did, he should have got okay.
1: booked. And then straight after yeah. he smashes the ball at the bench. That itself is probably a straight red, to be honest.
2: To be honest, I have to admit that I'm not operating on a huge amount of sleep. And now, I'm, um, you know, it is what we're recording this at 25 to midnight. Mm. Uh, I, I definitely lost count of who got yellows and who hadn't. I couldn't keep track of who was booked and who wasn't actually. I mean, Vecors had doubt, a yellow. It, it, he came was, onto the pitch on a yellow. That's wild. Oh, actually, on Vekos, on, on quickly, before we move on yes, from yes. Uh, this and talk about Van Gaal quickly before we move on from this game completely. Yes, yes. Uh, it was the latest second half equaliser ever in World Cup history. 101 minutes. So it was in the 101st minute. And, cool. and
1: the goal itself is one of the great, it's, 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 the, it's the best.
2: Argentina got Zanetti'd. Even I think this was better than the Zanetti one. Oh no! Of course it was. But it's three the in, in theory, it was like Zanetti, Zanetti energy, but it was one that Van uh, Van Gaal Vecross did for Wolfsburg, basically oh, against. Wow. Uh, I think it was. I think it was Amelia Bielefeld, maybe. Amazing! Amazing that this existed already. Yeah, did the same thing, same thing about. I, I think it was during COVID or the second COVID season.
1: Yeah, he had an interesting period of, of COVID, didn't he? Over COVID, um, but yeah, there was um, <laughs> there was <laughs> there was a. Uh, There's a couple of things in this game. So this free kick was incredible, the way it was constructed. Mm. And I think it's going to be one of the great, unfortunately, one of the great forgotten free kicks because the Netherlands lost. But it's the best free kick executed under pressure I've ever seen because it wasn't like the Beckham free kick against Greece, which is amazing, but it was still one person kicking it. It's still one Mm. person orchestrating it. The fact that you had to get multiple moving parts right and everything had to be perfect. Was just incredible. The ball It was basically
2: the equivalent of Neymar's goal, but for this game. Yes, exactly. Ex- I was going to yeah. say
1: this. This round had two of the great forgotten goals because yeah. Neymar's goal is going to be forgotten. And it's yeah. one of the best World Cup goals. And actually, I had I had yeah. Brazilian friends I had to tell. They were like, they were going, oh, like, we're getting to this. They're going, oh, Musa, so Neymar did this. I said, hey, hang on a minute. Look, Neymar scored one of the greatest goals under pressure the World Cup's ever seen. Such a good goal. Knockout, ever. Like, you can't take that away from what he did there. Like, that's a thing you've got to put in his credit column. Um, Many in the negative column, but still, that's definitely a positive. Um,
2: Interesting that Messi went first on the shootout, though.
1: It is, and I think that's about agenda setting, isn't it? It's agenda maybe,
2: setting. yeah. Because I don't, I don't think it's a fear of going last because it's getting ahead in the count, isn't it? Yeah, I agree. Also, I just think put mate, send your best players up for the penalties first. Get get this. It is so much easier going into going through a penalty shootout, consistently scoring them than waiting for someone to bail you out for And this is the difference when you know you've got Emi Martinez in
1: goal. When you know you've got an aggressive goalkeeper. Front load. Yeah. When you know you've got an aggressive goalkeeper, come at them, get ahead in the count, get that early save, and then just keep on that, you know, stay on their necks. Definitely.
2: Yeah. So Argentina will go through to face Croatia. Uh, The Netherlands go out. Van Gaal will retire now. And... And now his watch has ended. I just think that this is... uh, this is one of the all-time men's football personalities, and he came out of retirement to take this side to the World Cup. He obviously had a, a bout of prostate cancer, which he looks to be, hopefully, fingers-crossing the clear of. And yeah, it would have been it would have been an amazing story for Louis Van Gaal to to take this side further in the tournament or even win it. But I just I think that this was probably as far as you would, could have expected that side to go because this is not a vintage, I mean, we've said this before so far, it's not a vintage Netherlands team. No. But, I mean, maybe we can save some f- deeper thoughts of van Gaal after the tournament if you want. I think but for I think- sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. we we'll do a recap on what this means, yeah.
2: So props to Louis van Gaal. Before we move on to another managerial issue in the next game, Luis Enrique stepped down as Spain manager. Mm-hmm. He's been I was quite surprised at this, to be honest. I know he's had a really, really heavy few years and probably it's just time for a break, yeah. but I was really surprised because I didn't think they were that... Well, you look at Hansi Flick, for example, staying on as Germany coach. I think that's the right decision for sure. I thought Enrique... Oh, sorry, I, think, I thought Luis Enrique could have... I mean, unless it's his decision, he's just like, listen,
1: I'm done. Uh, I was surprised and I wasn't. It was on those ones because it's yeah. the intensity of the two year cycle, go to the Euros, then a World Cup after that. And you've got to get, and look, think about, think about Spain going out. Unfortunately, it was all the fears we had prior to the tournament. Will Ferran Torres mm-hmm. become a goal scoring threat? Will Asensio kick on? Will Olmo kick on? Will anyone become devastating in the forward line? Will Ansu Fati be fit? Like, and these were all things that manifested, to be honest. If two of those four players had really fired and kicked on, then this is a different conversation and it's not. And that was it really. And you know, is Luis Enrique going to wait around another two years to make all that kick Mm -hmm. into life? And with all the criticism that's going to come, he must've just looked and thought, it's just not worth this. It's not worth it. Why didn't you pick uh, Borja Iglesias? Why didn't you put this person in that person? It's just like, no. He took a big risk actually not just on the pitch with the tactics, but off the pitch with the Twitch stuff, the amount of journalists that he really infuriated by not providing access and doing Twitch instead, that set people off the wrong way. And he just doesn't have, I don't think he had a lot of leverage by the end of the tournament. And with everything he's Mm -hmm. been through, to be honest, you have different perspectives and stuff. And even the Twitch stuff, he just looked like genuinely happy. He looked like he was just doing it a different way and really enjoying it. And I just thought to myself, do you know what? There needs to be joy in what you're doing. If there's not joy in it, just bounce. And the sad thing about yeah. Luis Enrique is he will go down as one of the most unappreciated coaches in the respective jobs because they did not respect him overall at Barcelona, even though he won a double and a treble. That treble's one of the most unappreciated seasons in football history in terms of like who saw it coming. Yeah. Chaos behind the scenes. Totally well. unappreciated considering the scale of the achievement. I know a lot of Barcelona fans appreciate it, but a hell of a lot didn't, and a hell of a lot of the administration didn't at that club, as was later Ooh, transpired. Yes. And then like he's done a Spain job where they could well have won the Euros. They were an outstanding team there. Didn't have the finishing. And they played some astonishing football this World Cup. Some really great stuff. And they're out. And I just hope that his legacy, I hope that history is a bit kinder to him, to be honest, because I'm not sure it will be in the short term,
2: actually. I'm sure it I'm will sure be fine when he eventually takes the Chelsea job or <laughs> something like that. Oh my gosh. Lewis Enrique in the Premier League. Wow. <laughs> It'll happen. It's got to happen someday. We'd, we'd, love to not see not anyway. we'd love to see it. We'd love to see it. Let's take a quick let's break. Do it. Oh my god, man! Can you hear that? What? What is it? Bong!
1: <laughs> the bell tolls.
2: Brazil made the amateur mistake of going one 0 up against Croatia. Yes, I can't believe they've done it again. This is a side. Of, uh, this, is, this is what a country of four million people with a declining population, and they're in back-to-back World Cup
1: semifinals. The new, Ur- the new Uruguay. I mean, unbelievable, unbelievable what they've achieved. Um, and just, I will say this, first of all, a phenomenal achievement from Croatia. Phenomenal. Secondly, if there was ever a, a formation and a style that Titi would play, they would walk right into the trap they had set. And this was it. You have two fullbacks for Brazil, neither of whom are particularly enjoying playing those positions, not dynamic at all. <clears throat> Danilo on one side, Militao on the other. Militao, not sure whether to come or go, not sure whether to overlap or not, just completely working. Looked entirely like a centre-back at right-back the entire game, so they gave no attacking thrust. And then what do you do? You go up against probably the best midfield in the entire tournament with two players, only one of whom is an out-and-out defender. So fundamentally, it's Casemiro and Paqueta against those three. Brozovic, Modric, and Kovacic, the three, that is a, a horrible mismatch to the point where Croatia completed more passes, I think in the first half and in midfield they were just like running around them and just pure containment. Very much an element of throwing a kind of, um, it felt a bit like uh, the Spain-Morocco game, but also laced with a bit of France-Paraguay in 98, where Paraguay were just like, we're going to sit and absorb. And Brazil couldn't deal with it. They couldn't get any attacking momentum going. And there was one brief moment, actually, at the start of the second half when you saw them with intensity or maybe a little bit of panic as it turned out, realise all of a sudden, hang on a minute, there's 45 minutes gone and we've only got 45 minutes to break them down. There's no obvious gaps. And you saw, I think the first half of the second half was the best football Brazil actually played. Like it was the least desperate, it was the most intense, but also structured. But they even lost that after a while.
2: I mean, they still created quite a lot though for what they had. I think Croatia were were waiting for those real openings. They were trying to be really efficient in Croatia with their chance creation. And I think Brazil were a little bit wasteful. They created like some really, really good opportunities. They created way more than Croatia. Second half, yeah, for sure. Second half, though. Yeah. Um and they had that period where the momentum really like really felt with them. it was with them. And they just didn't they didn't capitalize on it. And I think that by the time they took the lead in extra time, it was like yeah, this is amazing, but they, they it was almost like, I know, it's, this sounds like real nitpicking because, you know, when you, when you score an extra time in a World Cup mm. or in the knockout stages of, a, of any tournament, you, you assume that that's going to be good enough. But they did it just on the break, like just on the stroke of the halftime and extra time. And it's such a quick turnaround that you don't re- it doesn't really matter. There's nothing really to sit with. It didn't really fuck with the rhythm of the game in any way. Right, absolutely. And the game management was horrible. I got to say yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, after that, well, we, I, mean, I want to shout out Carl Carpenter, who basically <laughs> reposted a tweet from Jerry Hinnan that just said uh, rest, rest defense is important, volume, you know, number, blah, 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 blah. And Jerry wrote a thing just saying maybe, just maybe, having four guys in the final third and seven guys in the opponent's half when you're ahead 1 0 in the 117th minute is bad. Right. Nailed and it. Nailed it. It was from Brazil because they've not looked super good running towards their own goal. Few teams do. We've talked about this, but we thought that maybe Brazil's defence pipped Argentina's in terms of if those two were going to go up against each other. Mm. But why? Why are you doing that in the final minutes of game? And this is where this is the only real thing where I think Chi uh, Chi is like kind of dropped the ball on. He's 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 stepped down. he's he's, he's left yeah. uh, the post after the game and that's really concerning for Brazil and a whole other story because there is not a lot of amazing brazilian coaching talent coming through at mm. the moment and it's going to be really interesting to see who they go for uh, and actually i don't think it was unless again i'm not i'm not seeing whether it was him deciding it or not but if it was more of a kind of push as opposed to a, a walk i'm not entirely sure that that's the best move for Brazil because I think he was one of the best coaches they could have I think so. I just think, I was slightly confused. But, yeah, yeah. Sorry, carry on, carry on. Sorry, but just looping back in, I think that, uh, that that error, I think there was an error in the final five minutes of the game to not run the clock down. Yes. And actually maybe to, to not put on a couple of more defensively minded players for those final five minutes. If it's
1: any consolation to Brazil, which it won't be listened to this, if, if any of them can bring themselves to listen to it, i don't they get past Argentina. I just don't, I just don't think they had that. I don't think they had, I looked at that defense and thought that defense isn't winning a world cup. Like not the way it was playing in that game with that configuration and that midfield isn't winning the world cup. Because if you're going to go up against maybe the best midfield left in the world cup and play that style, if you're not going to adjust against them, you're not going to adjust against anybody. Like, Mm. and if they'd got through, they might've taken that victory as a vindication of the approach and they might've got absolutely done because- you're playing two again, and like I said, you're playing one basically one and a half defenders against the three and they can all defend and they can all press. The ball pressing stats for Croatia from the first minute were off the scale. The amount of times Modric broke the press. And the, the wild thing about um, the substitutions that, that were made as well is that Richarlison was one of the best at pressing. Mm. Richarlison was like putting the pressure on the ball so well. He went off, Vinicius goes off. You've taken off this experience. You've taken off players that score in huge games who are in the flow. And like, here's the thing. Neymar stayed on, even though he was probably in the least advanced physical condition of the three of them. And he probably stayed on because actually Neymar gives you something, right? You keep him on because he gives you magic. Now, if that's the logic, then why are you taking off Vinicius and Richarlison? Mm. Bolster your midfield. Bolster your midfield. Like, Bruno Gamarish has been playing lights out for Newcastle and the man didn't get a sniff. That man would walk into most other international midfields, most other. This game specifically, man, like this was crying out for a player like that. Crying out, just match them in midfield, go toe to toe, make chances up top. That way you've got the defensive solidity, you've got three across the middle and then
2: you just push up Neymar and two others and that's it, it's good night. Yeah, I mean, I know you came on in the second half, but I would have I would have maybe taken off Anthony for those final 10 minutes or so because just you know even if you leave a couple of people up top push to a 2 and just really pack out that midfield and Do you the, know what I mean? Right in front of the, you just I mean because you can hit team I mean maybe Anthony was there because he he's, he is an outlet mm. but I, yeah I, I don't know Neymar he, he it wouldn't have surprised me if he, he had come off as well because he was I thought he was okay in this game I thought that he obviously scored an unbelievable goal But other than that, there were moments where he didn't look himself. Yeah, some of the finishing was the choices. Some of the choices were not sharp. Um, And I wonder whether actually, yeah, towards the end, maybe there would have been, if if Chi-Chi could have that over again, whether he, he would the problem Make is it's so low that it isn't taking Neymar off. It's just the absolute. Well, it's, it's, it becomes a political thing, doesn't it? It does. I'd probably say it's, it's actually a little bit more political than it would be taking Messi off in the same scenario. Oh, much more, much more because what Neymar stands what you know. Neymar stands for.
1: The yeah. political side of it. Absolutely. I mean, not just the football politics, but the actual politics. Oh, no, 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 I meant like, yeah, yeah, I meant like,
2: I meant purely in a football politic.
1: Oh, there's other, way. there's, there's a whole other level of that. The, just the conversation around Neymar is just so toxic. I was in touch with a friend of mine, um, heartbroken we were just in uh, chatting on whatsapp because you know he's in rio at the moment and we were just talking he was just like going you know that the feeling towards neymar is like he's such a polarizing figure for so many people and that's without the tactical side like taking off a player like neymar who was seen as so talismanic
0: mm.
1: you really is something a thing you really can't do so i have some sympathy to the coaching staff for that i just think that look they had quality in that brazil had enough quality in that squad enough depth in midfield defensively to get the job done. This is what's going to hurt them. You know, in the same way that Argentina shouldn't have gone to extra time. Yeah, they shouldn't have, but yeah, these are all moot points now.
2: Brazil, the favourites to win it, they're out. Mm. Or
1: one of the favourites. They were my favourite. I thought they were going to win. I thought if Um, if they maximised what they had, I thought they were, that they were regarded as favourites. I mean, some might say once the tournament started, that was an unfair assessment, but You look at what Croatia did, and just a quick shout for them as well, the way they delivered. Petkovic, you know, like those three in midfield we mentioned before, Perisic and that gang, like that this is a it's a resilient bunch. And Mm. they don't care if they could play one nil it all the way to the top. They they obviously they can go all the way to the title. They could one nil it all the way just like last season's Real Madrid. They don't care. They're
2: that good and that resilient, so you know. I mean, their penalties again were. Vlasic with the opener set the tone. And uh, Livakovic as well was just. He was ready. Steady. He was ready for that shootout. They are kind of unbelievable, the fact that they somehow keep managing to do this. Yeah. I just don't understand. I don't understand how they do it. I actually don't get it because if you think of.
1: You look at the the key players in this team or the experienced ones, I think, you know, Perisic Perisic won Champions League. Modic, obviously, Mm. has won all five finals he's been in, you have that kind of institutional knowledge of how to manage huge games. And the thing about some like Modric and Perisic is they can sit in the dressing room and go, actually, do you know what, there'll be long periods of the game where we just don't have the ball and that's fine. Mm. And they're, what, they're so comfortable playing without, without the ball. They're so comfortable mm. chasing and pressing and knowing gaps will appear. And actually it's so funny, the goal they scored on the counter was peak Real Madrid. It was pe- I was like, oh my gosh, this is like Modricius base, just like taken this team and infused them with the same spirit. It was almost, Fantastic. I almost laughed at how much the same identity he's brought to this team. And the fact he's just turning in masterpiece after masterpiece, you could virtually nominate him man of the match before 90% of the games he plays in at this point.
2: Check this out. He made 20 uh, successful passes into the final third versus Brazil, nearly double the amount of, of the player the second most. Who had eleven? It's unbelievable. I was, it's it was, unbelievable. It's a stats bomb. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it was just amazing. He hit one like outside of the foot pass in the second half. I think it was the second half, or maybe it was even the second half of the first half of extra time. And it was just in this little pocket on the right hand side, and it was it wasn't really like for Modric. It wasn't really like anything particularly special, but it just completely switched the momentum of like. The passage of play it's
1: the way he just nudges balls, the ball through gaps yeah, isn't it
2: just, it's, it's nudging yeah nudging the ball around is, is a really good way to, to to explain it yeah it's so subtle like, I think if anyone that this is just watching these games back because
1: obviously there's so much going on at the moment everyone's hectic but it's really just worth going back and just watching him in isolation mm-hmm. throughout 90 minutes if you get a chance or even 45 just to see what he does in terms of his movement it's just utter like, total control Total mm-hmm. midfield control. They need to work that midfield out, Argentina, because they've got the injury potentially to Depay, um, and they run themselves ragged. And Croatia, we saw from the last World Cup, they've got incredible stamina. So yeah,
2: if it's going to be decided through the middle, fascinating. How many people do you think are going to get booked in this game? Oh, goodness. Depends who's refing it, of course. <laughs> Get Leos back. Uh, apparently, the amount of yellow cards he gave out was the most in the World Cup knockout I'll tell you game. what, get Di Maria
1: back because I know he's been, he's struggled with injury. I don't think he would have started yeah. in that formation because they played with the 3-5-2. And I'm not sure they line up in the next game. They might go for three across the middle again, who knows. Uh, but Di Maria is going to be really important for them. I know that man's really struggled with injury and knockouts and I really feel for him, but he's going to be essential for them if they're going to like um,
2: keep Croatia at bay and get to that final. Uh, Anything else in this game? Uh, No, I think that's good. I think we're good. We'll keep it brief, but let's just shout out the women's Super League results. Lyon beating Zurich 4-0, Arsenal beating Juve 1-0, so good results for those two in that group. That means Arsenal's still top of that group. Three points clear of Lyon. Juve 5 points, Zurich yet to score a point. Uh, Benfica beating Rosenghor in Group D, and Bayern beating Barcelona 3-1 in Bayern, the Allianz. Record crowd, I think, for uh, Bayern. 20 thousand Yeah, which is amazing. And that means that they're level on points with Barcelona at the top of that group, but Barcelona have a 12-goal better goal difference.
1: <laughs> in a group stage.
2: <laughs> I know. And then on Thursday, PSG beating Vlasnia 4-0. Real Madrid drawing one all with Chelsea. This was a hell of a Madrid. game. Oh my goodness. This was a Big result.
1: Very, very late save last uh, like the late from from Sam Kerr late on. Like, and that would have taken um, Chelsea through, I think, to the the next stage. But whew, this was a game. Guru Wrighton is bawling out. Has been I mean, when just, is she not? But she's gone absolutely, she's gone on a particular tear. It's almost like mm. you people forgot about me. <laughs> it's like it's like when an MC just releases a bunch of war dubs out of nowhere and you're like, oh, oh wow, just to feel something, just start sending for
2: everyone. It's like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Wolfsburg beating Roma 4-2 and uh, Portland and Slavia Prague drawing one all basically Wolfsburg are through Roma could be joining them uh, Chelsea still top of their group PSG second Real Madrid third so keep an eye on the Women's Champions League. shaping up nicely and there's a massive weekend in the WSL uh, there's Manchester derby at the Etihad Stadium which is going to be amazing and a full round of fixtures all on Saturday this week, which is mega. WSL. Good times. Have at it. You mentioned war dubs there. I think we should return to the Men's World Cup and depart on a couple of war dubs. Let's do it. Virgil van Dijk was asked whether he thinks that Argentina will win the World Cup. He said, I don't care. I won't watch anymore. Wow. And Emmy Martinez came out absolutely spitting. Really? What were his bars? I heard Van Gaal saying, we've got an advantage in penalties. If we go to penalties, we win. I think he needs to keep his mouth shut. That's what Messi was talking to him about.
1: Is that what it was? Because Messi was talking to Van Hal at the end and it didn't look like congratulations on the great career. It looked like something else.
2: He also had a bit of a, a pop at Laos as well. Messi? Uh, Laos. No. Uh, Martinez. Wow. He just wanted them to score. That's basically it. So hopefully we don't have that ref anymore he's useless
1: I mean Martinez I mean that's a very um, that's a that's a that's a recollection recollection which I'm not familiar because uh, I think Argentina did quite well quite well at this ref actually yeah I think, they I think like a, d- a different ref gives gives two reds to Argentina a different yeah. ref yeah anyway yeah so I just imagine myself being sent off on the bench the dream
2: ha 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 sent off in the dugout <laughs> Musa Martinez
1: yes <laughs> Ah, ah, ah. Actually, before I forget, just on a a, a happy note, shout out to Lautaro Martinez because he has not had a very good tournament, and him scoring that winning penalty—that's a sliding doors moment for your career. That's a moment when your career goes one of two ways. So big for him. I'm really glad for him that he did that because he's had a really good season. He's been doing well for Inter the last couple of years. Uh, Well, not so well this year, last year, but you know, really, really good for Inter and not at his best this tournament. I think it's fair to say. Mm-hmm. And this shootout was a big deal for him, so I hope he kicks on from here.
2: Me too. All right, man. Let's uh, get out of here so you can, Let's you, can you can get to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I won't sleep. Yeah, uh, we hope everyone's staying safe, staying well. Don't forget to check com forward slash soccer. Check Righty's House on Sunday. Stadio will be back Saturday night as well. European time. And check the Stadio Outro's playlist on Spotify. Speaking of which, playing out on Dunkle Ziffer. A track called Colours and Soul. Anything you want to add, Mooseok Wonga? Listen, how can I add more than colors and soul? I thought the same. (laughs) Uh, Much love, everyone. We'll be back tomorrow. See you then.